What's up guys, here with you at FC Wonder Kid, episode 138, the first of the year, here with my guy, Bretson. How are you? Uh, it's a new clean slate, Alex. I'm doing absolutely wonderful, and I want to say happy new uh, Killian Mbappe can sign wherever he dang well <laughs> pleases here in 2024. Uh, but I want to I want to start a uh, the year off with a really tough question for you. Mm. Um, you know, you were telling me at the end of 2023 that you were getting into Football Manager again. Um, I got to ask you. If you could live with just one of these games uh, for the rest of your life, which would it be? Would it be EAFC, um, you know, the former FIFA, uh, or would it be Football Manager? Football Manager. I think Football I mean, Manager, easy, the right? details, like technical directors, scout, yeah. uh, scouting people in football, having that knowledge, I, f I feel like yeah. the, the database is unreal. I'd go with Football I Manager. But... Let us I know. Agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I agree. I want to I want to know what people think, because it, here's the thing. You play football manager for like a long period of time and you get annoyed sometimes with your players not doing what you want them to do. No matter how many instructions you give them, how, how much you, you know, fiddle with the tactics mm -hmm. and then you want to play them. Right. You want to be able to play them. Um, and yeah, uh, EAFC is the only one that can kind of do that. Right. Where you can actually play them. Um, so I'm with you though. The depth of knowledge and the amount that football manager has contributed to my knowledge. And by the way, this is not a paid advertisement. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just wonderful because me, I'm mm -hmm. looking at it and going, Hey, you know, I have 30 minutes here. What if I play a little FM? Oh, <laughs> it's never 30 anyway, minutes. It, end, it ends up to two never. hours, three hours, if you it's have so the time true. to dispend. But yes, people, yeah. great Bretson by mentioning football manager and FIFA with this comparison, because First topic here in the first podcast of the year. It's our predictions for 2024 in football. Oh I'll be hinting mine. Bretson will be hinting his own in the next podcast, episode 139. But yes, Bretson, are you ready to hear my predictions? <laughs> I am. I'm very ready. Let's go. Well, the first one is an extremely safe prediction. I believe Girona will be finishing top three in La Liga. Currently, they're wow. equaled yeah. with Real Madrid at the top. They're 10 points ahead of Atletico de Madrid and Barcelona. And they beat Atletico de Madrid in extraordinary fashion with a late winner. And they are deserved. They de Girona deserves the, po the position that they're on. Des uh, yeah. Girona deserve the position that they're in because of the elite managing with Michel, the unique style of play he has with the team, the great mm -hmm. structure at the top, making the scouting phenomenal with players like Savio, Artem Dovbik, Alex Garcia, that's captain. So, yes, that is my first prediction, Girona being a top three team in La Liga. <laughs> well, I really love that prediction because I want to believe that they are not a flash in the pan. Um, and you can't argue with 19 games, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is half the season already. They are, uh, you know, tied in points or drawn in points uh, with Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. And they have uh, scored the most goals in La Liga. And to be honest, they are just so dang entertaining to watch. And a lot of that comes back to Michel. Mm -hmm. um, and it's made Michel um, already an incredibly hot commodity heading into 2024 and just like Xabi Alonso um, it's going to be tough to hold on to him long term and I believe uh, Per Guardiola has already come out and said we already know the challenge that lies ahead of us to hold on to him um, but you're right like Savio mm -hmm. um, out of nowhere I mean could he be 
somebody that actually goes to the Copa America with Brazil. Um, the uh, Dovbik and Saigankov with Ukraine. Um, there's so many guys. Alex Garcia with Spain. I, I would love to see these guys really step it up. Uh, the only thing I'm going to do to pour cold water on that prediction right now <laughs> is how bad their defending was against Atletico Madrid. Um, it was pretty dang shocking. True. I mean, so is Atletico Madrid's. But <laughs> when it comes down to it, if you're scoring four goals against Barcelona and you're mm -hmm. scoring four goals against Atletico Madrid and you're scoring even two goals in a losing effort to Real Madrid, your only loss of the season so far, so far mm -hmm. um, you're doing pretty well for yourself to compensate for that defensive, say, frailty from time to time. So mm -hmm. I'm with you. I want to see that. I don't think that's as big as a uh, or unbold as unbold of an instatement that as you think i think that's still pretty bold right now because Hirona is bucking all expectations in la liga and these are the types of stories i live for when and, it comes to football and what and the success of girona shows what the quality of players they have alex garcia savio artem dovbik miguel gutierrez are all players that could play at the top in many teams miguel gutierrez yep. is already being hinted at top teams in the premier league this is a player with mm -hmm. 56 matches in la liga and uh, for girona sorry and he was uh, developed at real madrid la Fabrica. Mm. And I think there's a mm. buyback clause. I think there's a buyback True. clause. It's not 100% confirmed, but I think it's between 5 to 10 million to Real Madrid. <laughs> so if oh. Real Madrid managed to get that done, it's once again elite business. So, second yeah. prediction. I wanted to mention in this podcast Cristiano Ronaldo. And Cristiano Ronaldo is the top goal scorer of 2023 with 54 goals scored he keeps on breaking records this man and yes we're going to the euros as one of the favorites and currently he is the starter deservedly so he has more goals than all the forwards that man united put up together that like it's bold numbers and a prediction just because i'm mentioning the top goal scorers of 2024 i believe holland mbappe kane and ronaldo will all be mm -hmm. there. The top goal scorers 2024, Mbappe, Haaland, Kane, Cristiano Ronaldo, and I think Mo Salah will be the fifth player. Or Victor Ozime. But Lautaro is not making this decision very easy, Bretton. No. But uh, no, that would not. be my second prediction, the top goal scorers of 2024. And the third, That's... Uh, it's, I believe... This is a bold prediction. I'm going to go bold. I believe Bayer Leverkusen are going to win the Bundesliga. Xabi Alonso is going to break the curse of Bayern Munich. And he's going to break it. And he's going to Bayern Munich after that. I believe they're the favorites to land him after Ancelotti extended with Real Madrid. It was the best news possible that Bayern Munich could have gotten. So yeah, do you think this is a very bold one? Do you kind of agree with it, Breton? <laughs> I I do think it's pretty bold just because Bayern has gotten out of uh, deeper holes previously and they're not even necessarily in a hole um, as oh, it stands. I but but I, I do agree with you. I mean, do Leverkusen, the way that they have played this first half of the season, deserve um, to to lift the title uh, and break the 11-year stranglehold that Bayern Munich has had on the Bundesliga? <laughs> Dang right, Alex. The way that they have played has made me enjoy football um, a whole lot. The same way when you know Bayern plays its best football, you you can't help mm -hmm. but you know put the mic down. And, and give a little golf clap to him. And Bayer Leverkusen is just, 
created stars uh, this particular season, and it has made us just uh, smile at FC Wonder Kids. So, um, yeah, with, with Victor Boniface, with Florian Veerts, I don't know how they're going to keep this type of team together. Mm-hmm. Um, January, if they can get through it without losing one of those major pieces, that's going to be huge. If they can add one, mm-hmm. two, that's even better. Uh, I think another defender would be phenomenal for them. Oh, um, Afcon, but, yeah, yeah I... I'm with you uh, in that sense. It's one of those ones I want to see come true. I just, uh, with with Bayern's um, track record, I don't know how viable it is at this moment, but well, my goodness, are they playing great football. Well, but currently the best manager in the Bundesliga is hands down Xabi Alonso. I'll, I would pick him yeah. ahead of Thomas Tuchel right now. And if Xabi Alonso goes to Bayern Munich, I fully believe Florian Wirtz goes afterwards. And those two, okay. uh, those two pieces would guarantee, in my view, keeping a Jamal Musiala, keeping obviously a Harry Kane two, three years, Bayern Munich, a Champions League contender consistently with Xabi Alonso, Florian Wirtz, Harry Kane, all bold players. And even Eric Dyer. Did you see that? To go to Bayern Munich. I was shook. I did. I was expecting more sporting, not Bayern, but it is what it is, right? (laughs) Even more shocking in that sense was Big Ange uh, in that Uh. press conference that is going viral right now. Big Ange just being so, so dang right in what he says but when asked if Eric Dyer could still leave even with the injuries that are mounting up with Spurs he goes yeah sure yeah yeah he can go (laughs) you know and I I love it I mean uh, he's he's confident in the squad he's got and uh and it seems like they know they're probably going to be getting Radu Dragosan um over the line in the Mm -hmm. near future that's something we'll talk about in a little while yes um but I love his assuredness and I love his positivity and I love him correcting that one journalist basically telling him like uh do you what the journalist asked do you envision yourself uh you know ever lifting a trophy he goes like i have i have lifted a trophy i mean it might not be the one that you want me to <laughs> lift but i have lifted plenty of trophies here and on top of that the guy's like you know uh wouldn't you f- wouldn't you feel lucky to do that and he's like it's not luck you're not in this you're not in football for luck. You're not exactly. in football for good vibes. So he is rapidly becoming one of my favorite characters, at least in the managerial space. Um so uh with that said, um Eric Dyer to Byron was out of left field for me. That's for sure. <laughs> I definitely um, wasn't sense. I wasn't expecting that one. I was like shook yeah. when I saw this. My and this is <laughs> this is another uh, prediction I have too, is I fully expect I'm gonna go bold. I believe a Portuguese team will be going to the Europa League final. Befica, Sporting, Sporting Club Braga. We've seen a final in Dublin in the past in the Europa League between Porto and Braga. 100% Portuguese. But yes, I am very confident in the quality that we have in the teams like Befica, Braga and Sporting. Best player in the Portuguese League right now, hands down, is Victor Gioqueres. 29 goal involvements, 18 goals, 11 assists, the strength, the finishing, the way he combines with his teammates, a very intelligent forward, that 100 million release clause, I expect a top team to go and snatch him in next summer. He's too good yeah. not to get. And teams need strikers. And then, <laughs> and then it makes you sad to think that him and Sweden will not be at the Euros mm-hmm. this summer. Um, but it also, it's always that quick... <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's always that quick reminder, excuse the cough, but it's always that quick reminder that um, you can find gems pretty much anywhere, even at Coventry City in the English Championship. 
Um, and I had my doubts for sure, but obviously those were put to rest. The moment we sat in that seat and watched in the first 20 minutes, Victor Gilgueras, um, <laughs> what he had, a, he had a brace in that match uh, when we were in when I was in Lisbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you uh, watched feels, you watched like, the first yeah. game of Victor Gilgueras in the Portuguese league. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I remember the last time I was uh, in Lisbon. I believe it was right at the start of Antonio Silva's rise uh, yes. for Benfica. So I've been. Um, I, I think you got to get me back there. We got to go, and uh, maybe the, it'll be the rise of Rod, Rodrigo Mora when you, we take a trip, uh, oh, true, trip to up Porto. to Porto or something. But uh, yeah. you watched the uh, you watched Enzo Fernandez and Antonio Silva play uh, against Vitória Guimarães yes. last season. It's mm. true. It's true. And Enzo oh. was such an engine at that time. And mentioning yes, players like. Uh, young players. This is the last one in which I'll give an opinion to. This is my last prediction in this video. That is, I expect Hendrik or Vitor Roque to be the star mm. striker by the end of 2024 of Brazil. It must mm. happen. It's not Richarlison. It's not Matheus Cunha. And it's not Gabi Gol. It's not Pedro no. too. It's Hendrik, Vitor mm. Roque, or even a March Leonard that went to Benfica. They need to Ooh. trust the youth desperately, in my point of view. And this is an opinion now. Fernandinho got sacked, deservedly so. Six matches for Brazil, three losses. That is unacceptable. The way they were playing was shambolic and the best possible replacement for Fernandinho for this Brazil national team. No, the best possible, rep uh, the best possible appointment for the Brazil manager mm -hmm. is José Mourinho. No one, oh no one would be above Jose Mourinho in that locker room. He would defend the players with everything he had, and they would respect his authority, in my point of view. People can say it would be a defensive-style Brazil. Doesn't Brazil need a guy that would put the respect in that locker room on top of Neymar, on top of anyone? Look at Vinicius with Ancelotti. That is football mm. heritage. And Jose Mourinho is football heritage. And for me, that would be the best possible appointment for the Brazil national team. Abel Ferreira so, is impossible because he's yeah. not going to leave Palmeiras. Two Libertadores, oh. two, two Brasileiros, two, uh, dois campeonatos brasileiros. And I think Mourinho, best Portuguese manager ever, best but, to go. But, but not even to take Brazil... Uh, Abel Ferreira not even to take Brazil into uh, an expanded Copa America, into, um, you know, out of the hole that they're currently in, which is sixth place in comparable qualifying. Um, I'm, I just feel like Abel Ferreira is not seeing the forest through the trees, if that's the saying. I, I don't know if that's actually correct. But Jose Mourinho, I mean, my only worry there is if you're going youth heavy. Mm -hmm. Right. How is he going to deal with, say, the mild inconsistencies that Endrick or Victor Roca would bring? Because guess what? You just basically said one of my predictions for next week. Mm. And that is that I feel like exactly just to piggyback on what you said. I feel like if Victor Roca and Endrick don't develop properly over the next six, seven months, don't already take that ownership of the Brazilian national team mm -hmm. or give that that uh, be given that opportunity to take the reins of it. And I, I feel like Brazil will continue to underperform in 2024. And yes, that also means in the mm -hmm. Copa America. And I'm going to say it right now. I feel like it's trending in more in the direction that Brazil will stagnate throughout 2024 mm -hmm. until that inevitable kind of glow up happens 
on the world international stage or on the international stage for guys like Endrick, Vitor Roca, Marcus Leonardo, um, and the others that are starting to break out. So um, I'm with you. I, I mean, Brazil has a lot of question marks around them right now. And it, it doesn't look good when Ancelotti, I know it's Real Madrid, and I know he's re-upping, but <laughs> that was like rumored to be already over the finish line, was it not? Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it just kind of went away. And he then re-ups. And then Denise is sacked, and now you're you're back to square one, and you're like five months away from a massive international tournament and continuing a World Cup qualifying campaign that has been absolute crap. There's no better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Absolute crap. They'll still qualify, no issues, but absolute crap from a team like Brazil, mm-hmm. who should be much better. I totally so. agree, and I love that Ancelotti got the extension, and he got the extension because Real Madrid are top of La Liga. Real Madrid won Every game in the Champions League and Real Madrid have the best player in the world with Jude Bellingham because of Ancelotti, at least in terms of form, a midfielder with 17 goals scored this season. It's been elite. But tell us down below, do you agree with the predictions that we announced and let us know the predictions that you want to see next week with Bretton going bold. Now it's going to be your time to go bold in episode 139. But time, we're saying it's time to go bold and it's time to talk about AFCON. AFCON, the Africa Cup of Nations is starting and it's Right now, I don't know who's going to win 100% because anything is possible with the amount of quality players and teams and managers that we have in this tournament. Tell us down below in the comment section what you believe is going to happen in AFCON and let us know what you agree or disagree and like this video for more content just like this. Bretton, AFCON, so how are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling good. I mean, I'm looking at these groups here, Alex, and we're not going to go through all the, you know, the constituents, all the the, the teams that are part of this, but, I mean, this is so wide open. Mm -hmm. Ivory Coast are the hosts, right? And I love Ivory Coast head to toe. When it comes to it, I love everything about them. Here's the here's the issue, and I'll get into their their roster makeup in a little bit. But <clears throat> here's the issue: if you're going based on historical winners, the last seven Afcons have had seven different winners. Mm. Okay, and on top of that, none of them have been hosts. You may recall two years ago or three years ago uh, when it was Cameroon. That mm-hmm. had that strike force of Abu Bakar, and I'm going to forget the Chupo other names, Moting. and I'm sure you can tell me. Yeah, there you go. Chupo Moting. Um, we thought for sure that they were going to plow their way through as hosts, and they end up bowing out on penalties to, I think, Egypt, eventual mm-hmm. finalists, Egypt. Egypt. Um, mm-hmm. So here we go. In Group but A, the you've got Ivory Coast. Just wanted to mention on that game, the lasers. Yeah. <laughs> that was mad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on yeah, the yeah, pens. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Oh, my. I but but mentioning Abu Bakar Fest with Cameroon, Cameroon and the Safcon yeah. are a dark horse. We don't put them in the favorites category, I think. But I put Abu Bakar. Anguisa, very interesting players to watch. Abu Bakar yeah. has 96 games, 37 goals for the Cameroon. A living legend and yeah. an Afcon. He always goes bold. So pay attention to yeah. him. <laughs> and and I doubt he'll play, but another one to watch for Cameroon is the youngest player technically in the tournament. And uh, as always with that, mm-hmm. you get the inevitable, Alex, the inevitable uh, Yusufa Mokoko treatment where a picture comes out uh, of Nathan Duala, who will be um, representing Cameroon at AFCON. And you immediately get the people out there that say, there's no way this kid is 17. And listen... 
it's not for us to care about that. If he's 17 and they have, you know, um, the ability to say that he's 17 um, and, you know, he plays for Victoria <laughs> United as a midfielder, I, why are we going to argue whether or not he's 17? I okay, But I anyway, you. <laughs> youngest player in the tournament, one to watch, is Nathan Duwala for Cameroon. But I agree. I don't think Cameroon, um, I don't think they've got the roster to make it far in mm -hmm. this one. Um, I, I don't see well, where else. Uh, well, but Cameroon's group is Gambia, Cameroon, Guinea, mm -hmm. and Senegal. I believe Senegal will be finishing top in this group. I don't think they're the okay. favorites, Senegal, but they're in the top three, 100% to win the AFCON. Sadio Mane, Eduardo Mendy, and Nico Jackson. Oh. Do you believe Nico Jackson yeah. will be one of the top goal scorers of this AFCON, Bretton? I, I think he will. I think he will. I mean, I don't think he has played a massive part for Senegal yet. And I honestly think he'll get plenty of chances mm -hmm. um, against worse defenses than um, currently exist in the Premier League. And as many big chances as he's missed in the Premier League, he has mm -hmm. still put quite a few in the back of the net this season for Chelsea. Uh, so I, I do believe I expect him to be in contention for, with Victor Osimhen, uh, <laughs> for Golden Boot in AFCON, but I do agree with you. I mean, Senegal, uh, they are the defending champions, mm -hmm. uh, and there hasn't been a repeat, if I'm not mistaken, since Egypt repeated. Is that right? Mm, is it I, Egypt? I think so. I th I, Egypt is I, I the top was, winner with seven. Oh, not yeah, yeah, with seven, and I think they did three in a row at <clears> one point, if I'm not mistaken, but it is still insane to me, Alex. Mm -hmm. Egypt being the winningest with seven AFCON titles, and guess who does not have one to his current name? Mo Salah. Mo, you got it. <laughs> Last in 2010. Mo Salah. Last AFCON oh. win for Egypt. But it's yep. big responsibility. Like, Mo Salah was twice awarded the best African player in the world. Mo Salah is the reason a lot of people are going to play uh, pay attention to this Egyptian, Egyptian national team. So, do yep. I believe Egypt is a dark horse in this AFCON? I 100% believe they are. Because they've got Mo Salah that's leaving a Liverpool title yep. race to replace and make history in a competition that he is a legend of his nation. Mo Salah yeah. has 93 games, 53 goals, 30 assists. That's his record for mm. Egypt. And I fully expect them to do everything, everything they can to win an AFCON since they last won it in 2010. So, it yeah, here's, here's, the, here's the hard thing for people um, to process, right? Uh, sometimes teams... Right. Not mm -hmm. individuals, but sometimes teams win international tournaments. And Egypt is exactly that. The reason why nobody sits here and talks about anyone but Mo Salah, maybe Omar uh, Marmouche deserves a, uh, a a shout for his form. Um, yeah. Uh, and and Trezeguet, we all know, and El Nani, yep, for his spirit. But he doesn't play much for Arsenal. <laughs> um, but or uh, yeah, he's still an Arsenal, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still he an is. Arsenal. He's still an Arsenal. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's never leaving. Uh, but but when it comes down to it and you look at the roster, right, you look at a lot of players that are still at Al-Ali, they're at Zamalek, they're at Pyramids, they're at um, all the domestic league. So there's, there is uh, not an understanding of uh, exactly uh, who will the stars be, who will this be. But guess what? Mm. They're always, the Egyptians are always an insanely cohesive team. And that's why, in my opinion... 
I wouldn't even call him a dark uh, dark horse with Mo Salah leading the line and with that team uh, behind them, I I put them up there in the top three of favorites. I put Morocco, Senegal, Algeria, and maybe Nigeria ahead of Egypt, though. And I respect Mo Salah, but these four teams for me are the favorites, Brenton. But it's a bold debate. Fair enough. But since you're hyping Egypt, I just wanted to ask you this. In Group B, there's Egypt, and there is... The in group B, there's Egypt and there's Ghana. Do you believe Egypt mm-hmm. will topping the, will top this group? Uh, yes, I do. Ooh. I believe Egypt will top this group, and I think it will be Ghana behind them. I mean, it depends on how crazy gung ho you know a Mohammed Kudus. Yes, it um, depends on Kudus. Uh, I agree. It does, and it depends, I guess, on the shroud of mystery um, around a Thomas Party, right? Um, I mean. I, I'm not entirely sure what we're supposed to expect. I guess he's not playing this. I don't think he is. But you've got Ghana's got the IU brothers. They've got uh, Mohamed Salisu, who's back and healthy for AS Monaco. They've got Ab- Ab- Abdul Samed. Um, but I don't think they're going to have Thomas Partey. And without Thomas Partey, um, I don't know how Ghana goes insanely far in this. It just depends on how dominant Kudus is, Anaki Williams is. And I'd love to see a phenomenal tournament from Ernest Nuama, um, the Right to Dream product, the FC Norgelin product, who is still trying to get going for Lyon in Lyon. Mm. Uh, but you're right. I, I think they're great up there. But just like Ghana... Uh, just like Ghana, I put Nigeria in the same um, vein as Ghana. What? There is no doubt that Nigeria, just mm. like Cameroon uh, in the last AFCON, has by far the most potent attacking power, yes. attacking force in AFCON. Victor Osimhen, Victor Boniface, um, Adamola Lookman, um, Chukweze, Alex Awobi. I mean, even like, I know Awobi is more like defensive now, but still, it's amazing. The issue is, Alex is their defense and their midfield with the Ndidi um, injury mm-hmm. is suspect. It's not good. It's really not good. It's so true. like Cameroon, unless they steamroll their way and offense is the best defense, I don't see Nigeria winning this thing. And well, that's my boldest statement is that Nigeria is going to underwhelm. And Nigeria have the African player of the year with Victor Ozime and the player that's Dang right. in for massively Victor Boniface with... 10 goals in the Bundesliga in 16 games. So that is a bold statement in my point of view, Bretson. Nigeria understating in this AFCON. I don't know if I agree with what you said right there, but let's wait and see. But you're talking favorites. I think my favorite for for AFCON is the obvious choice in my eyes. It's Morocco. Morocco was Mm. the most dynamic team we saw in the World Cup, African team we saw in the World Cup. Morocco was the first team to reach a semifinal of the World Cup. Morocco was the first African team to reach the semifinal of the World Cup. Morocco have a manager that understands the team, and they have a great dynamic with Amrabat, Hakimi, having the leadership roles and knowing how to conduct them. This is a great team in my eyes. And in terms of talent too, the way they play, the way they always go to win, the way when you see Morocco, you see a team that faces head on any team in the world. They lost to France, Mm -hmm. but they did impress a lot of people. They beat Portugal. They beat Spain. Mm -hmm. They did magic in that World Cup. So, this yeah. team deserves to win an AFCON. They deserve to win an international trophy. It's one of the greatest generations of Morocco. So 
I have to say that Morocco is yeah one of the favorites, a hundred percent in my I, eyes. I would agree. I would agree with you. And how better to solidify your progress uh, than than following up a World Cup semifinal uh, final appearance mm-hmm. with with winning your first Afcon title in almost fifty years morocco that's just shows you how special uh what they did in the world cup was i mean if it wasn't already special like insanely special Mm -hmm. uh they have not won an afcon in almost 50 years and uh you're looking at a young core too Mm -hmm. uh bolstered by a lot of really really good wily veterans um but you're looking at a young core and possibly no not possibly he is the best young player, U21 player in this whole tournament, mm. is Bilal El Canous. And I want to see Bilal El Canous um, unleashed. I want him in this. Diamandé, yeah. well, you're, you're, you're right. So I, I should say, you know, best uh, U21 midfielder here. But no, I would still say all around, he is <laughs> the one I am most excited to There's see. There's another one. one I am Pape Matissar. Pape Matissar, yeah. Brenton. El Kudus. Still, El Canous. <laughs> He's been he's been he's been the maestro. He's been the maestro for Genk. He has been given the keys to the kingdom at Genk. I think he is primed for a big move in 2024. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Bilal El Kanus being uh, given the uh, the keys to the midfield um, for or the at least the creativity and the offensive nature of the midfield for Morocco. His progress in this tournament is key to whether or not they win it. I like it. Bilal Al-Kanous. Must young players you got to watch in AFCON is Diamant. It's Bilal El Canous, yeah. like you're mentioning. Pape Matissar, mm-hmm. Victor Boniface, even maybe an Alex Moriba could surprise yeah. a lot of people. Have a nice maybe. AFCON. Never know. But yeah, this AFCON has uh, a lot but, of talents to watch. It's true. But one more. I mean, from Who another does? from another team that we're not really going to talk about, Burkina Faso's uh, Dango Watara. Uh, he is impressed for Bournemouth. Absolutely impressed for Bournemouth at what? Fullback, right? Ooh. He's been playing fullback for Andoni Areola. They've won seven of their last eight, or they've not lost seven of their last eight. I think there's a tie in there, a draw in there somewhere. And their most recent loss was to a big team. Um, but Dango Watara is one that you definitely have to watch. You mentioned, I think you mentioned Adingra mm-hmm. for the Ivory Coast. But uh, yes. you mentioned Diomande. You mentioned Ad- <laughs> Adingra. And that's why my favorite here, even though... The last seven tournaments, the host has not won, right? Mm. The last seven tournaments has seen different winners. My favorite is still for, uh, is the Ivory Coast because let's walk through just really, really quickly. Um, we got to walk through their their defense. They've got Aurier. They've mm-hmm. got Diomande. They've got Wilfred Singo, um, who is highly coveted. And in 2024, a lot of teams are going to be after him. Evan Dika. Odilon Kosanu, okay? In midfield, you've got Seko Fofana, Ibrahim Sangare, Frank Kessier, Jonathan Bamba, who can play attack and obviously in midfield. And then up in attack, you've got Haller, who should should cook at the AFCONs, even if he hasn't <laughs> been cooking for Dortmund as of late. Adingra, Jeremy Boga, and, you know, you can throw in Nicolas Pepe if you'd like. Um, their biggest question mark is their goalkeeper, mm-hmm. right? But I love the depth. And I love the pedigree of every one of those players in each of those uh, those sections of the field. So uh, whether or not they can put that uh, to good use in Abidjan, Ivory Coast, um, yeah. that's going to be the biggest question. And I think they're going to break the curse. And I'm going to say Ivory Coast breaks the host curse and they win AFCON 2023 held in 2024. And do they win Group A with Nigeria? 
Yes. You're going so bold, Bretton. <laughs> I do think Ivory Coast or Nigeria will be topping Group A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well that's that's an easy one. But the the Ndidi the Ndidi injury, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's bigger than I think people are giving uh or it just happens. So but, you can't you can't necessarily people are still processing it. Uh behind them I know they've got who's gonna step in for him? Youssef, uh uh Youssef who plays in the Belgian Pro League. Mm-hmm. Uh but come on, that's humongous. An already scant midfield and an already scant defense. And they're so top-heavy in Nigeria, mm-hmm. uh, I just don't see it. I see that running out of steam at some point. And when you see, I see that running out of steam. And we mentioned in, in this video, AFCON Group A, we believe Ivory Coast and Nigeria will be going through. In Group B, we believe Egypt and Ghana will be going through against Cap uh, Verde and Mozambique. Two, two Portuguese-speaking mm-hmm. countries. Ah, Borola. I'd love to see one of those <laughs> teams going through. Then we have Group C with... Cameroon, Gambia, Guinea, Senegal. I believe Senegal and Cameroon will be going through in Group C. And Group D, Algeria, Angola, Burkina Faso, Mauritania. Algeria, we believe, is going through. And maybe a Burkina Faso in Group D. Yeah, I think so. And then finalizing Group E, Mali, Namibia, South Africa, Tunisia. I think it's Mali and Tunisia. I think this Tunisia team is very underrated. Annabelle Mejri, shout out to him. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. the last group, Group F, with Congo, Morocco, Tanzania, and Zambia. Morocco will be topping this group. But pay attention to Simon Banza for Congo. He's the top goal scorer of the Portuguese league with 14 goals scored and three assists. Will be very hard for Braga to be keeping a player like him. And Zambia with Pat Stendaka. Pat Stendaka has been doing a great job at Leicester. He's back. And I do want to throw out Lamek Banda as well, who's been great in Syria this season, breaking mm-hmm. through. So I think Zambia has some, uh, some, some ones to watch. And that's the thing is like you know we talk about for Algeria, you've got Fares Shaibi, you've got Mohamed Amora, mm-hmm. who's having a ridiculous season for Union yes. Saint-Gilloise. Um, you've got Karim Konate, who I haven't really talked about for the Ivory Coast. Um, for Morocco, Amir Richardson and Ismail Saibari. There's so many names that I am so excited to watch in this, Alex, uh, that it's, yeah, I'm getting psyched. First big tournament of 2024. Uh, for Gambia, Yankuba Minte uh, should be huge. Uh, Zito Luvumbo for Angola. Ah, Zito, um, so I I, I'm ready for this to, to get going. I think one that you know from Liga Portugal is uh, Geni Katamo. Jenny Katamu, um, yeah, yes. For me, Jenny he should be the right wing back starting for Sporting. Yeah, very interesting player, you said, right? Sporting have Diamond and Jenny Katamu, both players that I believe are starters. They're going to AFCON. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Man City knows. Oh. Man City knows how to <laughs> organize well, you players. You know who else knows? <laughs> who? Yeah, you know who Newcastle. else knows? Nottingham, poor Nottingham Forest. They've got, I believe they have six first team players or close to first team players that are in this tournament and have been released for this tournament. So uh, Forest's Forest's festive fixtures quickly became unfestive uh, (laughs) once they realized how many players they were losing. But let us know down below who are your predictions to win. Afcon, do you agree with what what we said? And 
what have we forgotten? Let us know down below and don't forget to like this video in this podcast, people. But now, it's festive season, but it's very festive for transfer window fans. And we all know we got notifications on on Fabrizio Romano, the must if you love transfers. And we got to mm. mention all these moves that are happening. And I think it's appropriate to start with the top teams in the Premier League with Man City. The starter with a bang. Echeverri yep. was locked in at the start of this January transfer window. And 14 million for a player like mm -hmm. Echeverri with the talent, a world-class potential talent, undoubtedly is a bargain. A bargain. Mm -hmm. And in add-ons, 9 million. That all performance-based. A structured deal and a deal that is going to be a bargain in the future in my view it's my it's my prediction here that Echeverri is gonna be a successful player with Man City because we saw Julian Alvarez a similar player in a different position succeed big time mm -hmm. because they got him early they know how to do business Man City <laughs> they, they they did and I I agree that Claudio Echeverri will be a success at Manchester City what I I think has been a little bit of recency bias creeping in, though, is that Manchester City has not had, at least in the last five or six seasons, a great South American pipeline, or at least great accuracy in terms of those that they do bring in. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm looking at a list here of Claudio Echeverri um, and Julian Alvarez. Obviously, the Julian Alvarez star. Mm -hmm. Absolute star, right? Then you've got Maximo Perone, mm -hmm. who he said he was going to keep with the first team. Um, but has since loaned out to Las Palmas, and he's doing really well there. He's doing okay. Mm -hmm. He's doing great, actually. Um, and then you've got Yanni Kuto, right? Yan Kuto, who has been uh, <laughs> a big part of Hirona's push. So you can't argue with that, but the likelihood that he ever plays for Manchester City is very slim. And after this, man, so many players that I don't even really need to bring up. Clavert, uh, mm -hmm. Aguilar, Diego Rosa... Nahel Bustas, Angel Herrera, who was great for NYCFC, will be sold on for big bucks, or was sold on for big bucks, I'm sorry. Uh, Keiki and Dario Sarmiento, all question marks or all moved on in some capacity. So <clears throat> I know you're not supposed to hit, but obviously Julian Alvarez, if people are expecting Claudio Echeverri to be you know, as good as Julio Alv Julian Alvarez right away... Um, let, let's not fool ourselves, no, right? Look at Give the this age. kid time. Look at the age. Yeah. One's he, 23, the smaller. other one's 16, 17. Like, <laughs> yeah. still needs it's, time. But I think it's the right decision to do a 6 to 12 months loan deal back to River because he's not going to be starting at Man City straight off the bat. But once again, we Agreed. saw an elite business. And staying on this range of the same transfer deal, in my view, Valentino mm -hmm. Barco has been confirmed to mm -hmm. go to Brighton. 10 million pounds the release clause on this player a player that was crucial for Boca Juniors to go to a Copa Libertadores final the equivalent of a South American Champions League that is embarrassing yep. and seeing River lose Echeverri and they're going to lose Agustin Roberto in no time I, I feel and losing uh, Boca Juniors losing uh, Valentino Barco just states that Brazil Brazil around teams the Brazil teams are going to be dominating Copa Libertadores in the next five years. It's just... Yeah. Bah, and then you see even the best player of River Plate going to Flamengo. Epa, it's, it mm -hmm. makes no sense. But, but, ah, yeah. but listen, it, it, it's such a testament. Such a testament to Brighton. Such a testament to Brighton. I mean, this is... Uh, Valentin Barco is mm -hmm. considered... Um, 
the the best modern footballing uh, fullback right on the market right now in terms of u21 right u20 right in terms of prospects he most certainly is in my opinion (laughs) um and he is going to be humongous for brighton just as we're seeing them ease facundo buonanota into kind of a more advanced role which is where he's going to thrive and you're starting to see that star come out in him um hopefully they do the same with bringing in valentin barco but not expecting fireworks but but brighton man bringing this in and winning that race why because mm-hmm. they have a policy that says we're going to play him. We're going to play him through mistakes, just like we played, you know, Billy Gilmore through mistakes, just like we've played many others previous to this. Bart Verbruggen. Okay. He's playing. And Bart Verbruggen. Exactly. Even though yeah. mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's just, it goes back to my love for this Brighton transfer policy. And for them to win <laughs> Valentin Barco, they deserve so much credit for being able to convince this kid of his pro- of their project. And and still be competitive in the flipping Premier League. It's, it's amazing. It's so true, Bretton. And Brighton are a team that will always be fighting for those Europa League and Conference League spots because, yes, mm-hmm. they do amazing deals at the right price. And they sell with they quality, too. Caicedo was the big deal of the summer. And we know Mitoma, Evan Ferguson. A lot of players are coming in the pipeline to sell, too. But mentioning you Premier bet. League players, the stars, the, the kings of the Premier League in the tr- January transfer window... It's no doubt Luis, uh, Liverpool. They signed Luis Suarez from Ajax. They signed Virgil van Dijk from Southampton. Two home runs and even a Luis Diaz from Porto for the amount that was paid. For me, it was a bargain. It was a great deal mm-hmm. too. I believe if Liverpool are going to sign a player, it must be a centre-back and a left footed center back because that left side needs more options especially passing the ball conducting the ball they need a better option going forward and Gosali Nasu in my opinion would be the best center back available in this January transfer window that Liverpool could sign he would be 50 to 60 million his release clause is 65 million pounds so I believe Mm. that would be the best deal possible because if Liverpool are gonna win the Premier League it's with signing a centre-back in the January transfer window, in my view. Man City are still favourites yeah. for me, but Liverpool have to sign a centre-back because Joel Matip is injured for the rest of the season, Konate is injury-prone, yeah. and Virgil van Dijk is phenomenal. He's inspired this season, but he needs someone next to him with quality yeah. in order to win the Premier League. Man City's got the best and defense I'm, in the world, right, Bretton? Uh, yeah. What was that? Who does City? Man City, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, and that's that's inarguable. Um, if that's even a word, uh, I'm actually from the Liverpool perspective, completely agree. January center back needed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm worried about how long Sobislai is going to be out, um, and we're going to see a little Ryan Gravenberg um, season uh, up there. I know they're not kind of like for like, but it's his time. It's and his Elliot. time to shine. Um, Elliot and Curtis Jones are going to have to continue to to play. I mean, they've been pretty dang good for Liverpool, uh, but you know uh, I'm worried they Jones. might. <laughs> I, I know. I, I mean, there's a ceiling there. There's a ceiling there for Jones, as there is, I think, for Elliot. Although that goal that he scored, mm-hmm. uh, I f- that feels like six months ago, but I'm pretty certain that was like during the beginning of the festive fixtures. I can't remember, <laughs> but was. that goal he scored was beautiful. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of questions at Liverpool, but center back, absolute must. Um, I just don't know if you can't land Gonzalo Inacio, who do you go? That's cut rate. Um, um, or do you go for somebody that can play in the midfield as well as 
at center back. Ooh, um, go uh, back, go back for Kefren Turam or somebody of that nature. But no, a lot of question. But Kefren Turam, I think, would be a quality signing too because Hendo has been great player. Wataru Hendo, he, I think he was appointed the best player of Liverpool in December by the fans. I think it's deservingly. Yep. He's been a positive impact. But I think they need mm -hmm. another player for depth right there. And you're mentioning that we'll position. See. We know Man City are not going to play Calvin Phillips in top games. And we know Calvin Phillips will be leaving Man City. Who do you think should be signing Calvin Phillips, Bretton? I think he'll oh, stay gosh. in the Premier League. A lot of people hint it, Newcastle. It, it, yeah. But I don't know. I guess where Newcastle is right now, um, bodies are needed. I just don't know why. I, I mean, his salary has got to be high. Mm -hmm. I, I, we haven't seen, we haven't seen high rate Calvin English Phillips National in a really long player. time because yeah, I, I, it, he is, you're right. And that's literally his only body of work right now. It's uh, only, it's his Man only City body of work. Too. Like if you're a Man know. City, you're guaranteed quality too, I think. Well, that's, that's, uh, I'm sure I can poke holes in that at some point. Who? <laughs> um, I, oh, oh, I know, off the top of my head. Off the top of my head. They're all leaving and playing. <laughs> but I, I get I'm you. Gonna be, I'm going to be able to come up with somebody. But listen, I, you know, Calvin Phillips, there's there's a little bit of an injury worry there. Mm -hmm. um, Newcastle, though, definitely need bodies um, at that, at that uh, especially in that midfield, uh, in terms of depth. Um, but I, I could see like a Fulham, right? Ooh. Fulham. Uh, when Palinha leaves. Yeah, Fulham. That would be yeah. interesting. I, uh, Calvin Phillips I, replacing Jean Pelinha. Andres Pereira, yeah, Calvin Phillips, and Tom Carney. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and if Leeds had uh, real ambition, maybe they, uh, they they see if he can spearhead a, a jump back up. But as of right now, I mean, the, the big, uh, big yeah. news coming out of Leeds is the Jed Spence getting kicked out of Dodge once again. <laughs> They'd have to uh, sell Getting in Somerville. trouble for certain things. They'd have to sell Somerville yeah. to get a Calvin oh, Phillips. And I don't think so any Leeds fan wants that to happen. No. But you say fun, so to, fun watch. to watch. I think the player mm -hmm. that every Premier League team must want that is in the Premier League is Michael Olise. And Michael Olise, yep. for me, should go to Euro 2024 for France. The way he's playing. No doubt, if he was at United, if he was at Arsenal, if he was at Man City, I think at Man City, he could start maybe, okay? In two, three years, he would be definitely a starter ahead of a Bernard Silva that would be aging and leaving. <laughs> so, Michael Olise is a player that can play in the middle, can play at the right wing, and the touch, mm -hmm. the efficiency that he's showing, and the goals. This is something new that we're seeing this season. He's much more confident in front of goal, and I believe he should be signed by a top team in the Premier League. Liverpool, Chelsea, Newcastle. and Man City are the favorites. Newcastle to get Olise. That would be that would, would be, be a, a, the right deal for them. That would be the it right be. deal. French. I, I just once again, <laughs> it, it, the, the injury. I, I just worried with the the injury um, injuries it, of yes. him or surrounding him that he has had. Uh, but there is no doubt that when he is healthy. Um, he is such a special player um, and one to watch. And I remember when we were first watching him and talking about him with Reading. Yep. God, that feels like a decade ago. It wasn't, but and, it and feels was like there. so long ago. It's, it's, yeah, and that, Queens that, Park like, Rangers. Sorry, he, yeah, as the Queens Park Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, plucked from plucked from there, and that was back when Reading had a nice little uh, French contingent. And now, once they've gotten rid of them, uh, unfortunately, a mismanaged club now down in League One. But. I love the idea of Olise uh, moving moving on at some point. I just, 
I just wish Crystal Palace, I've always said this, I mean, it's a London club, it, it has ambitions, uh, bringing in a guy like uh, Matthias Franza, um, <laughs> you have to convince them, uh, convince him of a project, um, and it was great to see him get his first time, but I would love for them to retain and actually, I don't know, show ambition to become one of the better London clubs, uh, and I feel like they could, um, but it, it's going to take a really long time in retaining some of your best players. Or spending the money. Um, I mean, like, they should have unloaded Zaha a long time ago for I as agree. much money as they could have gotten and spent it well. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess they don't have confidence that they can spend it well. So Olise, if they let go of him, um, they better get money, and they better get compensated well, uh, because otherwise Crystal Palace is stuck in a vicious circle um, that continues to see them be just a mid to relegation uh, fodder team year after year in the Premier League. But shout out to Chris Richards, mm -hmm. who has stepped in and become a <laughs> nice little midfield stalwart in the midfield uh, instead of center back, which I still think is his best position um, and one that we'll see him with with the USA. But I just love seeing him finally get game time. Um, uh, he's got a lot so of talents, we'll, and it's good to see he's got Crystal Palace playing it in is. the Premier League consistent, consistency. That's what you need in the U.S. men's national team. With uh, with the, those those are the type of players that you need. But you're mentioning yeah, but selling, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what does Bretson think about this transfer or this loan uh -oh. deal? Man United are reportedly going to loan. Jaden Sancho is back at Dortmund. The loan deal yeah. is going to happen. What do you think about it, Bretson? <laughs> Uh, as long as it doesn't break the finances of Dortmund, um, I, I'm a, I get it. I mean, the prodigal son returns, right, to mm -hmm. Dortmund. But if you're expecting the previous Jaden Sancho, I'm not sure. I am. Like, how how has this uh, whole drama um, affected him? Has it created a chip on his shoulder where he just wants to get back to playing and mm -hmm. humbling himself and wanting to just... Right, like make the signal Aduna his own again yeah. and just kill it in front of 70,000? Or is he going to be jaded? And that's what I'm... Is it going to be Jaden, jaded Sanchez, Sancho instead of Jaden Sancho? And that's what I'm worried about, Alex. But you're right. I mean, he wants to see a club that wants him. And whatever has happened at Manchester United or whatever hasn't happened, um, whatever has gone down with Ten Hag, it needs to be rectified because the kid is 23 still and he is such a phenomenal footballer and we just want to see him play. So the if it's done, if it's mm -hmm. over the line, all the best to him and I wish him success. The sentence you said right now, he wants to be where, yeah. where everybody wants him, right? Jaden Sancho sure. wants to be always where he is. Does uh, Jaden Sancho wants to be always where he's treated right, and he wasn't treated yeah. right once at Man City, and he went to Dortmund to get the right treatment. And at Dortmund, he got mm -hmm. 137 games, 50 goals, 64 assists. He was a legend in the time period that he had at Dortmund, a top assister. The playmaking that he was showing was elite. And if Jaden Sancho goes bold at Dortmund, I don't believe they'll be top. They'll be uh, finishing ahead of Bayer Leverkusen. They've got massive talents too, Boniface. But I think Jaden yeah. Sancho will be in, in much better form and having a hand to go to the Euros for England. Jaden Sancho I... has the quality to play for England. I don't know if he sh will start. Definitely Saka on one end and Phil Foden on the other is better than Sancho in my view right now. And a Madison at camp. Ooh, if that happens. Yeah. Or a Jude Bellingham at camp with Harry Kane at fourth. But he should be a reliable option for this 
highly talented team of England that are one of the favorites of the Euros. So Sancho, yeah. Sancho should be back. Yeah. The show. You need just, to see the show. It, <laughs> it's just it's just there is something to be said about the whole of Manchester. The red side, the blue side, hmm. um, that he just hasn't been able to win over. And it could be that maybe he's too soft. Maybe he can't take criticism well or he can't take whatever. And this is purely, purely conjecture. This is purely me making stuff up. Um, but it just, it's crazy to me that he has wasted a good, I mean, he's made a lot of money, but he's wasted a good amount of his playing days um, in this this fight for whatever. Something and happened you shouldn't happened. be, yeah, you shouldn't be loved all the time everywhere you go. And if you can't take that, and you can't take that, that every once in a while, that kick in the butt that the fans give you mm -hmm. um then i've got i've got worries for him i understand um, so and there's no I, permanent I'm option there's no permanent option no. to buy man united refused the dortmund wanted it but they didn't accept i think his future will be redefined in june they'll have talks they'll see how the position how the position is and even i think man united could sell him if he's in top form for 50 60 yeah. or 70 million it all depends mm -hmm. on the form that he's at at dortmund coming back but man united's like Three, uh, Man United's forward line should be Garnacho, Hoyland, and Rashford and until the end of the season. Anthony should be coming out of the bench. One goal mm. scored in 2023 in the civil calendar year. And we still haven't seen nor an assist nor a goal until now in the Premier League. It's embarrassing and a player like that shouldn't be starting. That cost £100 million. That is something that I point fingers at Man United. Ralph Ragnick yeah. should stay, should have stayed as a counselor at Man United, a sporting director, a man who knows football and would have respected an Anthony Alanga that is now balling at Forest. And when he was coaching Man United, mm -hmm. Alanga played a lot and he wouldn't have bought an Anthony for £100 million. I don't believe he would no. have done that. And no, that was such a panic. Uh, such a panic buy. <laughs> And, and we all knew it when it happened. I mean, okay, exactly. maybe you can see me trying to rationalize it when it did happen. But for that price tag, uh, we all jumped on that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. He was pretty special at times for Ajax. True. But not, not ever warranting the amount of money that they ended up spending on him, which just screamed panic buy of since we've recently gotten confirmation that it, in fact was a panic buy, especially for the amount of money. True. So I, I'm with you. I agree. Garnacho, Hoyland, Rashford. Rashford has to be it. Um, and Garnacho, man, he was special during the festive fixtures. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited. I think he is going to weasel his way, not in a bad way, but weasel his way onto that Argentinian team oh, uh, yeah. that will be in, in the U.S. Uh, taking on the best of the best of the Americas uh, in the Copa America. I'm excited oh, for yeah. that. Yeah, Garnacho, Julian Alvarez. Garnacho's idol is very proud of him with Cristiano Ronaldo. So keep going, sure. bold Garnacho. I love to see that. And mentioning top yeah. teams with the Premier League, I feel like it's wrong if we're mentioning transfers and Premier League and title con contention, not to mention Arsenal. Arsenal mm. are in desperate need for a striker. Why? Because when Gabriel Jesus is not there, Arsenal have difficulties to score goals. I know, when Gabriel Jesus scores a goal, Arsenal has never lost a game. But Eddie Nketiah is not 
good enough. Bukayo Saka should not be the top goal scorer of an Arsenal team. He's a terrific winger. A phenomenal winger. One of the best right wingers in the world. But in order to yep. compete with a Liverpool, with a Man City, with a future Newcastle, with a future maybe Chelsea with Todd Boyle, I don't know. But with a future competitive Premier League uh, competition, you need a top striker. And Arsenal are yeah. desperate to get one. And I have a list here, Breton, of strikers. Okay. And who do you yep. believe would be the best striker for Arsenal to sign in January with the Ooh. names of Solanke, Girassi, mm. Ivan Toni, or even a Santiago Jimenez? Arsenal have the money. Uh, yeah, they got the money, but would I spend $100 million on Ivan Tony if that's seriously what Brentford is asking for? Um, mm -hmm. Because they've been pretty straightforward about that. So I feel like Ivan Tony's out. Um, Santiago Jimenez, I, I think, is great for Feyenoord. Will he translate to the Premier League? Risk. Um, that, could just, that could just be my, uh, my, my L-tree... Um, my desire to not see an L-tree striker succeed uh, in, in that shape. So the other two... Uh, previous to that, uh, believe it or not, Dominic Solanke, uh, and who was the second Girassi. one that you mentioned? And Girassi. Okay, Girassi uh, in the Bundesliga, phenomenal physical talents, all that good stuff. He's, believe it or not, a little more of a risk um, than, mm -hmm. say, a Dominic Solanke, uh, mm -hmm. who's having the year of his life. I know he. we thought he was all going to be that perennial championship goal scorer, 29 goals in the championship season that they wound up winning promotion. Um, but the fact is, he's got 12 goals. He's actually in the golden boot race for mm -hmm. the Premier League. Put some respect on Solanke's name. His finishing has improved. His ability to actually create something out of nothing has improved. Um, I want to say Dominic Solanke, but I still think that I do. And Arsenal's back office will go for Serhu Garassi. Maybe. And I think um, he'll do well. Imagine Solanke well. going to Arsenal after in his career path. He's been at Chelsea yeah. and he's been at Liverpool. So Barnmouth with Iraola, like they're saving careers. Kerkez, Zabarni. This is a great team. Alex Scott and Max Aaron. Alex Scott. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. the bench. I'm hyped. And I love this team. And, <laughs> and one of my one of my favorite uh one of my favorite South American wonder kids, Oscar Zambrano, um, <sighs> could wind up either at Brighton or Bournemouth. But Bournemouth is what I'm I'm hearing. Bournemouth has the pole position on that signing, although somebody said out there, and I think it might have been, um, might have been uh, Fabrizio Romano said Luton Town. What might actually be in the running for Oscar Zambrano, but I think Bournemouth will win out. Oh, uh, but yeah, God. Dominic Solanke, come on, you gotta love the persistence of the kid. You gotta love the fact that he was. Him and Jordan Ibe, right? Mm -hmm. We remember those two names no, with Liverpool. True. They were sold off for much more money than I would have ever paid. Solanke, with. 21 million um, to, yeah, to Bournemouth. Or much less money, I should say. Yes, to Bournemouth, right. And um, we all thought flop, flop, flop. Well, boom. You boom. know, he got him back. <laughs> <laughs> got him back to the Premier League, and now he's got 12 goals. Exactly. Uh, so good good for him. And if it winds up being Arsenal, I know for dang sure, even if his actual talent falls short, Solanke, mm -hmm. uh, his heart and his determination will not fall short uh, fighting for an Arsenal badge. So I would love it. And you're saying, uh, we're talking about a striker, and my last on this transfer, oh no, my second last, because I got to mention the Portuguese transfer. <laughs> I know oh, yeah, some yeah, yeah, people yeah. will be knowing who I'm referring to, but there's a big transfer happening in the Premier League, and I was shocked. And it's the team that in the, in, it's the team at Tottenham. 
Tottenham are getting Timo yeah. Werner. I am shook with this team. Yeah. A loan deal with an option to buy. Tottenham right now are the only team that has scored in every... No, Tottenham have scored in every single uh, competition. Every single game. Mm -hmm. 22 games. Yeah. So... It's the right start, but they do need more goals and they need an efficient striker. So, Timo Werner, Richarlison, six months. Yep. Are Tottenham going to get top six, Bretton? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that they've bounced back in the, in a pretty strong way for me to be convinced that, yes, uh, they, they can. It, it depends more. Timo Werner's great. But it depends more if they get this Radu Dragasin over the line, Oof. who I think was playing with uh, Genoa and Serie A. He has mm -hmm. previously been at Juventus. Um, he's Romanian. You'll see him at the Euros. Uh, I think he's Romanian, right? He's not Moldovan. Yes. I think no, he's Romanian. Romanian. Yep, um, Romanian. Yeah, a great young big center back um, would be a wonderful signing. They're getting Van de Ven back. I think they, those are the bigger deals right now uh, for Big Ange and Spurs. So, yeah, I am going to say I think Spurs plays an attractive style enough. Um, I think that they have a deep enough or they've shown that they, you know, they had a pretty rocky period there, just like Newcastle, um, <laughs> and they're bouncing back from it. So, yeah, I will say Spurs go top six. Um, and I will say that they will go top six comfortably. I agree. I agree. Anje Ball, high intensity, yeah. a unique style of play that Anje has brought to the Premier League. Mobility, yeah. high pressing, something that we could see Timo Werner being a key player at the end of the season in the Premier League. We might see uh, rejuvenation of Timo Werner in the Premier League. Oh, my days. Who would have thought that he, would come, that he would come back to London, Timo Werner? Not me. Not me. <laughs> he did, but he, well, he surely did. And at RB Leipzig, <laughs> he's doing a pretty good job. In, Bounced back and he returned to yeah. his home. So now he's returning to London. <laughs> so yeah, my well, last transfer to mention here is a Portuguese transfer, as I hinted. It's Marcos Leonardo. Vitor Roque, yeah. Hendrik are terrific talents. But Benfica have landed Marcos Leonardo, when I'd say a top five under 21 talents in the Brasileirão last season. And it's a big statement by Benfica to land Marcos Leonardo. Benfica need more goals. Benfica need a finisher that is very confident with both feet. And Marcos Leonardo is just that. If he's got the commitment, the commitment to succeed mm -hmm. at Benfica, I fully expect Marcos Leonardo to do that. Because the talents and the way he plays, he's got it. He's got the intangibles yeah. to play with Roger Schmidt, a German manager oh. that has high standards. And with youngsters, he works really well. We've seen with John Efsch, we've seen with Anatoly Trubin, and we've seen with Antonio Silva. Marsh Leonard yeah. is next 18, millions, uh, 18 million with 10% of the future fee going to Santos. They believe and in that, what Befica do. And that's what makes it for me, Alex, is the is the price, the price tag. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I know it ranks up there, I think, in the top five or top six sales all time for Santos. Um, but obviously, we know the big ones that came from Santos previous to this. And while Marcus Leonardo did his best, um, his 13 goals in the Brazilian route could not keep Santos from getting relegated for the first time in, what, 114, 111 years. years. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty tough. So give the kid a little bit of slack for how he might have conducted himself at the end of that season mm -hmm. because he did his dangness, um, if that's even a word, to keep them up there. And, uh, you know, 54 goals, 11 assists in 126 starts as a 20-year-old 
for Santos FC, the club of Pele, the club of Neymar, the club of, you know, to a lesser extent, Robinho. But, like, come on. I mean, this kid has pedigree, and mm-hmm. it really is going to be, for me, whether or not Roger Schmidt, uh, Schmidt can unlock it, like, right away, right? Mm-hmm. Or if he's going to need a, a kind of a cooling-off period or a transition period. Uh, but I think it's a shrewd, beautiful sum of money um, that was spent for Marcus Leonardo, and I think we're going to look back at this and see that it's an outright steal. <laughs> see that it's an outright steal. A steal yeah. is already Anatoly Trubin. For me, a steal yeah, Costa, and second, Anatoly Trubin, the best goalkeeper in the Portuguese league. Maybe in terms of stats, Anatoly Trubin is ahead because Benfica is the less conceded defense in Primera Liga, well, but, but it's an elite deal, 10 million. It was 10 million yeah. and a 40% uh, future sale um, going to Shakhtar. So a good deal yeah, for Shakhtar, well, too. I mean, the biggest steal so far uh, for me of this very, very early window, and it hasn't even really gotten over the line yet, it, believe it or not, comes from one of the richest clubs in all of Europe, or the whole world, I should say. It comes from PSG. If PSG, which has already uh, gotten over the line and given some uh, playing time to Lucas Baraldo, uh, one of the top young center backs player. in the Brasilia Rao, um if they get that over the line, which they did, I'm they sorry. They did. They if did. They get Gab- yeah, if they get Gabriel Moscardo over the line. Done too. Uh, that, in turn, is that fully announced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I haven't seen it yet. Not okay, announced then by I PSG, that. but it's, it's a done deal. <laughs> well, well, just listen to this. Warren Zaire, Emery. Gabriel Moscardo. Xavi Simmons, knowing that he's already going to mm-hmm. likely come back into a PSG jersey Facts. next season. Sprinkle a little Manuel Ugarte. A little Vitinha, and you very quickly got one of my favorite young midfields in the whole world right now. It's a whole world. Okay, not quite Real Madrid, you know, in terms of quality Mm -hmm. just yet. But the actual, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just say they've got my attention. And they've got my attention for at least five years. And if they go out, Alex, and they get Joao Neves (laughs) as well, then (laughs) you've got maybe even a fan. Right? No, like, no, 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 um, no, They won't get you. I hope he doesn't go there. No, no, no. They've no. been sniffing. Hey, they've been sniffing. The whole world is sniffing for Dronev after Fabrizio <laughs> Romano announced, uh, announced that he's a quality player. And, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I agree with you with what you're saying about PSG because Warren Zairemri is the favorite to win the Golden Boy next season. Dronev is fighting, and I'm sure he's going to have a hand in that. But in the Euros, mm-hmm. I think it will be decided who's going to be bolder mm. in the Euros. And Zaire Emery can have a hand too in the Champions League for PSG to be the Real Sociedad and maybe going to a semi-final or to a final. Let's see if Mbappe yeah. and Zaire Emery get it done. But let us know down below. What have we missed with transfers? What transfers do you want us to react in the next videos? We want to know your thoughts down below in this podcast. And last theme, because we are FC Wonder Kid, we gotta have a spotlight to the Wonder Kids. And it's a new year, yes. and it's a year that the Wonder Kids can prove themselves once again. Like this video for more videos just like this, and put your prediction of the best Wonder Kid that you believe will be in 2024. No, not the best, but the one that we we should be highly aware of like a Valentino Barco that's no, now going to Brighton like a Marcos Leonardo that's now going to Benfica let us know down below who are your choices so Breton are you going big time players like Jude Bellingham or are we going here with a get to know type player well, yeah we'll go with a recency theme right now because uh two of the 
bigger stunners uh, over the, you know, there weren't many games outside of the Premier League, mm-hmm. uh, but Serie A did start back up relatively quickly. The Coppa Italia started up, um, and Juve and Inter are in a rat race at the top of the fight for the Scudetto, which is great to see. But also really great to see Allegri actually start to call upon some of his young ones. And one of those guys spent 10 plus years in the Bayern setup. Um, never really given a chance there, but once he moved to Juve, Allegri has, and Allegri doesn't, you know, concede for many. He doesn't make room for many, especially in his setups, his tactical setups, but he has been trying to make room for 18-year-old Kanan Yildiz. And this Turkish player, uh, if you've seen his two goals, he's got two goals in his last three games for Juve. A Scudetto contender, mm-hmm. and they have been stunners. They have been, you know, draw the attention out to the the, the Great wing, dribbling. and then start to cut inside, cut inside, a bunch of feints, a bunch of cutbacks, and boom, mm-hmm. fires near post, I think, in both of them. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, they are beautiful. But Kanan Yildiz was doing this previous, and people <laughs> have known who have been watching Bayern previous to this, and Juve now, um, they have seen him, especially the Turkish community, uh, have known Yildiz for years, uh, but you need to watch him. Um, he is definitely going to be one to watch in 2024 because if he's already won Allegri over and he sees um, Yildiz as a backup for Chiesa, mm-hmm. we're going to see a whole lot of him moving forward. But I just want to shed that spotlight on Kanan Yildiz. You have Arda Guler coming back up to speed, going to get his first time for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Semi Kiliksoy for Basik. Basiktesh. Mm-hmm. You've got Emre Goke, who's another wonderful player. And I add that to Orkin Koksu, mm-hmm. who's a little bit older. But once again, Turkey, you're starting to see these young wonder kids come through for Turkey. It's just whether or not it's going to lead to some Turkish national team success ah. in 2024 <laughs> and beyond. That's no, the big no, question no, we no, all have. No. no success because they're we'll in the see. same group as Portugal, Brenton. Come on! I figured don't don't wish that. that. Don't wish that. that on me. Don't wish that on me, man. <laughs> no, we'll but see. I like how you mentioned Turkey. I'll mention so I me- I mentioned him in the podcast, Ronevsh. I wanted to give a yep. special attention to him because Ronevsh was crucial for Benfica to win the title last season. Ronevsh was mm-hmm. crucial for Benfica to go to the Europa League, having a touch in that last goal against uh Red Bull Salzburg. And Ronevsh yep. is going to the Euros in 2024. He's already the best midfielder in the Portuguese league. He's got 46 games already in such a short period of time for Benfica. 32 league games and two goals scored in his career, which the two goals were last uh, last goal uh, like last minute goals against Sporting. Sure. Both both <laughs> one led to a 2-1 one, uh, 1-1 draw that then led up to a 2-1 win and the other one led to Befica drawing 2-2 against Sporting last season so he's had a hand yes. and like and he's a Befica passionate fan so like that, that yeah. would be his best scenario to score against Porto or uh, against Sporting and he was the man of the match against Porto in the league this season <laughs> yeah. oh. I mean, so I gotta talk but, about him I gotta talk about yeah, him and it's uh Everybody's talking about him now. Look at Benfica. Look at Benfica in under-23 talents. Jonevs, Antonio Mm -hmm. Silva, Trubin, Marcos Leonardo now coming through. Prestiani. Prestiani Mm -hmm. that's been signed. Andrea Sheldrup 
coming back from loan at Nordschland. Like Benfica are stacked in terms of talent. And I love Morato. I think Morato is very underrated and he's had a very mm. good impact in the defense of Benfica this season. So 2020, yeah. 2024, wonder kid, you got to know, it must be João Neves and Antonio Silva giving a hint to him. <laughs> Great there you player. go. Well, um, yeah, 2024 needs to be the year of him as well as the year of Warren Zaire Emery. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm going to go with just a little lesser known again. And I am going to go in my camp because we're going to be talking about Wonder Kids all season. And that's why we do this weekly because there's too many to talk about in one episode. And I think we've already gone on too long in this episode. But my last one, I got to get you ready for the MLS season coming up. I got to get ready, uh, get you ready for Inter Miami, uh, collecting all of his Avengers. Um, <clears throat> Leo Messi is collecting all of his Avengers. But there's been one young kid, obviously, that has really stepped up his game um, under the tutelage of Tata Martino, obviously under the tutelage of his idol, Leo Messi. He's Argentinian born, born to a uh, Argentine professional rugby player and an American mm. mother. He just recently had his first cap for the U.S. men's national team and will get called up again. And at 18 or almost, I think he's 19 now or close to 19, um, he gets to actually learn from his idol. And I'm talking about no other than Benjamin Kramaski, right? Kramaski. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> instant growth the minute he is thrown in uh, to a midfield with uh, Lionel Messi. Instant growth. And you got to think that his next year, year and a half, his growth, his development should be absolutely parabolic. Mm -hmm. It should be straight up, and, it sh and, and it, it's an opportunity missed, not on his shoulders, but on Tata Martino's shoulders, if they can't actually, you know, really speed up that development for him. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing... Um, how he contends with the fact that his best role is played by his idol, which is Leo Messi. So he's not going to be playing that advanced playmaker role. Um, and he's going to have to go up against one of Paraguay's top uh, young stars in Diego Gomez for other times, whether it's as an eight or as a, you know, box to box, that type mm -hmm. of situation. But I am, uh, there's so many fixtures for Inter Miami this season between the League's Cup, between that rumored, and we don't even know if it's happening, friendly with Al Nasser. Mm -hmm. They're going to head to Japan, I think. They're going to, or Korea, one of them. They're going to head all over the place because it's messy time. And they, uh, <laughs> Kromashki needs to be ready because he's going to get 30 plus easily appearances for them. And he needs to be able to expand upon, I believe he had eight goal involvements last season. Um, but he has been integral for Tata Martino, and I'm so excited to see what happens because, yeah, okay, I'm a little bit biased in the sense that <laughs> I want to see him thrive for USA, and I want to see him kind of sneak on to that Copa America roster so we can see him play um, this coming summer. So we'll see because the season starts late February. That's interesting. In I like Kramaski's shout-out because, yes, he was he had a key role in this rejuvenated Inter-Miami team with Lionel Messi having that mm -hmm. League's Cup win. He was very important yeah. as a youngster. Very so yeah. very good to see. My last shout so is a player that I believe every FC Wonder Kid listener should know about him. Warren Zaire Emery is very well known in midfield, but who's going to be sure. well known in defense is Lenny Yoro. William Saliba, Ibrahim Konate, extremely talented, but Lenny Yoro at 18 is one of my favorite young center backs under 20 to watch right now. He's played four times for the under 21 French national team. He's played 37 times for Lille, and I guarantee you, he is such an intelligent player 
for Lille this season with Paul Fonseca. Yeah. It, he's, he's had a consistent and a very good defense because of Lenny Yoro. And it almost reminds me a bit of Varane Edlan when he was a wonder kid at the time. And then he goes mm. to Real Madrid with José Mourinho and he learns to be a Galactico Varane. Lenny Yoro, I believe, is destined for these heights because he's got that potential. Ibrahim Konate, William Saliba, Lenny Yoro, I think will be the third player, centre-back, big centre-back, and maybe ahead of a Fafana, a Lukeba, other French players that are very good too. Yeah. But I I just have a feeling with this this player, Lenny Yoro. It's 16 a, league it's on a matches. It's a crowded defense, but the fact that he is starting for, you know, a top-tier team in Ligue 1, um, uh, that's that's The game against PSG, Breton. He was yeah, yeah, unreal. Great. And against Lyon, yeah. too, I managed to watch that game. But Lyon, okay. But shout out to yeah. Lyon that signed Luca Perry and Adrielsen. A bit of a John Texter inside move, but... <laughs> Gotta get it done, though. Yeah, exactly. for the right price, Bot- Botafogo needs that money. Um, and Three million Lucas Perry as it. It's a wonderful, wonderful signing. And let's be honest, Lyon needs it. Yes. Lyon needs it. So we'll see. I think uh, Perry, I mean, does he replace... Uh, does Anthony Lopez. Anthony Lopez right yeah. away? Yeah. yeah, I think he does. All he's right. one of the best mm. goalkeepers in Brasileiro, and I think he's better than him. And then Rielsen, I was pretty mm. shocked. One of the best center backs in Brasileiro. But I prefer to mention Baraldo, like you said, that went to PSG. But let us that, know. That multi... But that what? multi-club channel is that, helping people out, isn't it? <laughs> for sure. But it saddens me that Beraldo doesn't go to a Portuguese team first that we've seen in the past. Yeah. Some Paulo center back with Eder Militão picking to go to Porto. That was with Sergio Conceição at the time. Look how long Sergio Conceição has been at Porto. Like, that's what I call the right management. He's been, he's a legend already for this team. But let us know, people. Who who are the wonder kids that we haven't mentioned in this segment at the end? What are the transfers that must need to happen? Who do you think will win AFCON? And yes, tell us, what are the predictions that Bretton must put in his notes for the next podcast? Let us know down below in the comment section. And don't forget to like this video for more podcasts just like this. Thank you for listening to this week. And thank you for going bold with us another year, people.